Spags, it is Friday, which means we are going to draft a best ball team on Underdog Fantasy today. Yeah, the big board is where we're going to be putting some money on today because there's no NBA, and Lord knows I can't go one day without getting some skin in the game. So we're going to talk about the rookies. We're going to try to get some sweet stacks. Got some Aaron Rodgers news as well. And oh, yeah, Splash Play's got a TikTok now. So let's hit that intro, Pete. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I'm Chris Spags, joined by your friend of mine, Pete Overzet. And Pete, we have never embodied the, the slogan of this show, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun, as much as we are today, because we can't even take a week off without doing another best ball draft. I know. It's uh, my thing last year around this time. I was kind of keeping best ball at like an arm's distance. You know, I did a couple on the shows, but the more you do, the more you get addicted. I find myself registering for more and more of the big board slow drafts uh, on underdog just because I'm liking getting that dopamine rush of waking up and seeing I'm on the clock and have a few picks to make. So, yeah, it's a it's a slippery slope. And uh, if we keep drafting one of these a week, I have a feeling I'm going to be, you know, full blown addicted here in another couple of weeks. There are some more rookie big boards going around out there. We talked about the Ringer one on the previous show. We've talked about Rotovis's article. Uh, the FO40 from Football Outsiders is going to be released on the 28th, so that's going to be a big one as well. But I do have the preview of the list here that we'll be consulting today. But make sure you go over to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. Check out the packages on there. Lots of great data coming into the mix. We did some planning today around a USFL content. We're going to hopefully start getting in in the not-too-distant future as well. So uh, that's the goal. Let's make Football Outsiders a resource amidst all these other ones out there. Uh, but go check it out at Football Outsiders com slash subscribe and also uh you know just go support their shows as well they're doing off-season shows really digging into the finer points of football analysis to uh get you guys prepared for what's going to come in this offseason and also make sure you're subscribed to this channel here whether it be peach channel or the splash play channel helps us out a bunch and hit the like button as well because that gets us able to be seen by more people and that's always the goal pete uh and as, as you know because I told Pete right before the show that I made us an at Splash Play Pod TikTok buoyed by the success I'm I'm receiving on that platform, Pete. I've already been, uh, I think, dubbed the top sports betting TikTok by somebody out there, I'm sure. Um, does this mean you're going to make me do TikToks from the Splash Play account? Yes, but only you dancing, though. Dancing yeah. seductively, yeah, if you can. What if, how about this for a TikTok idea? Uh, show and We use the Splash Play account for it. You do earnest content, and then I do follow-up videos to every one of your posts, uh, <laughs> kind of commenting and critiquing it. It honestly might not be a bad bit. It seems like TikTok... <laughs> Um, what I was told, I was telling people before the show that there's this girl, I guess, who was on some podcast talking about how her podcast got popular. And she was like, yeah, I just started doing TikToks of uh, Reddit threads that were popular and reading them and explaining them. And I was like, are you fucking kidding? This girl's now got like a million views on TikTok, like is making money off it or podcasts take a gigantic jump. And I think the issue for us, Pete, is that as guys have done content for this long, we're probably just overthinking it. I think the bar is about as low as it could possibly be. No, it, it truly is as low as it could be. The problem is, and we saw this, we've seen this wave with lots of stuff, Twitter accounts. I remember it was really popular uh, with Tumblrs where someone would have just like a, the most simplistic hook for a Tumblr. Like I remember back in the day, one of my favorite Tumblrs was one, 
that uh, did, it was all about showing incorrect uses of scare quotes, like either businesses on their promotional sides and it would just post them and then just like have a one sentence roast of that thing. It was like one of my favorite tumblers. The problem is, is it's like, do you want to devote your life to this one specific hyper niche thing? Uh, but a lot of them get big enough that then people just send them tips, right? It was like when Harris Whittles used to have his humble brag account, it got so big that people would just tag him for all the best ones. We had to do no work except go and retweet the ones people tag. So the goal is to come up with an idea that catches on so much that other people do the work for us. There was a Tumblr I did once, and I don't know if you've ever, if you made a Tumblr at that point in your career, Pete, because I was doing the blog thing and was like, something here has got to pop. I made one called You Got Blurred, where it was like the uh, Jimmy Kimmel unnecessary censorship, but just taking paparazzi photos or, or like whatever photos and just blurring out part of it. And it actually got pretty good traction. The issue for me is I have no follow through with these things where it's like, oh, here's an idea I have. This seems fun. I'll do it for a couple weeks. But it was like quoted on like time.com at some point. Like there's like lots of weird shit that just used to happen at this point of the internet. And now it's just the same thing, except it's on TikTok or it's on uh, Telegram. I don't know. It's all like wherever else people are doing content that's really low effort. Uh, I don't think it's Telegram. Telegram is where all of the um, anti-government uh, libertarian crypto bros hang out and congregate. I believe that's Telegram's main use case. They were allowed to have low low bar <laughs> content as well on Telegram, I'm sure. <laughs> or some could argue that's all the content that would be on that platform. Um, and shout out to the chat as well. We got Derek Richard. People degenning <laughs> the big boards, 59 big boards. Um, Derek also super chatting in his hate for Malden, Massachusetts. Pecan Pecan also maxed out almost on the big board. Um, Pete, I don't know if you want to pull up the board here so we can make the most of the time, but I did want to talk briefly about Hayden Winks' tweet uh, where he was talking about basically calling people that are diversifying their lineups cowards. I know I saw our guy, uh, Drico, commenting back on the chat saying that, you know, basically he thinks diversification is one of the most important things you could do. And I don't know if you saw the, the tweet, Pete, I saw it right before the show, so I didn't give it to you in advance to, to pull up. But do you have any thoughts on diversification and if it is like a coward's move of some sort when it comes to best ball? I, I don't think so. To me, and uh, the way I saw a little bit of that, I didn't read a bunch of the replies. Um, we talked about it in the ship chasing discord a couple weeks back. Um, I think the conversation was spurred because Liam who won, he had some super big stands on players, you know, extremely overweight on a lot of the bills guys, specifically Gabriel Davis. He was really underweight on a lot of league winners. I mean, even he said he didn't have much Cooper cup. I don't think he had uh, much Debo Samuel. Um, but my take on it is in these drafts, we are, we're trying to find an edge somewhere and we want to push those edges wherever we have them. And sometimes that edge might be a player's ADP. Like if I told you, okay, Cooper cups going in the seventh round of big board drafts, you would want to have a hundred percent Cooper cup because the edge would be his ADP inefficiency. Now, what if I told you, okay, everyone is drafting running backs with their first five round picks. It'd be like, all right, I want to hammer the elite wide receivers in that range. That would be where the structural edge is. So the whole question is, where is the current edge in these drafts? And that's always changing. The meta is constantly changing. And these drafts are really efficient because people have gotten better at structure. People don't let ADP slip. So to me, it's more of uh, a moving target to answer that. If you think you've identified a specific player ADP inefficiency, I think hammering that edge makes a ton of sense. Now, the question is, if you're going extremely overweight on something, you're basically saying I'm smarter than the market or the market is off by this much. I think earlier in the off season, when the ADPs are less efficient and there's more data, 
that makes sense to me that those spots would occur more frequently. By the time the end of August rolls around, I don't necessarily want to be in the business of being like the market is wrong by like four rounds on something. Like I'm much more willing to draft in line with the market. So I do think it's an interesting conversation. I don't think one way is right or wrong. It's more just about where do you think you have your edge and can you push it in a logical way? I also think too, as best ball drafts do get more popular, and that's certainly why we're doing more of this content. I was, I wouldn't say reluctant, but I just didn't dive in, you know, full feet like Pete has done on some of his other shows and his channel and and ship chasing and all that. But for me, it's like I think this is just going to be a sharper market year to year, and we saw it even this season compared to the the first year that we were doing splash play. And you know, I kind of picked up my secondhand information from Pete in that process. But I would say like as guys like Drico, as guys like the higher stakes DFS guys start to gravitate more towards best ball and are willing to put that cash on the line and best ball formats you are going to see more of an optimization of process you are going to see people drafting against type probably like Pete is saying not four rounds away but maybe in one spot where it's really obvious to take Tyree Kill you then take another receiver you take a running back or you go this is a different direction that's going to give you a different look like if you play DFS in the regular you know that's all it takes is that one to five percent owned guy sometimes that nobody else is on and if you get him at ten percent that's enough to put you over the top and I think that's where I don't have the arrogance to assume that I'm having the best, most reason takes. I think even with the best information out there, you're still going to end up wrong once or twice on some key points just because of the fact that guys get hurt. Guys end up in situations that aren't quite as good. Another running back comes into the room and it completely throws off you know, what the outlay of what this prop, uh, proposition could have been for you. And I think that's the main thing here where like, I think Hayden's as sharp as anybody out there does the work, does the film grinding in addition to combining it with the knowledge of fantasy. But it's just like you could be that guy. You could be Hayden spending thousands of hours on this. And if you end up wrong in one or two spots, all that matters is just you chose a different pathway than everybody else out there did. Yeah. And I also think too, just in kind of circling back to what I was saying, I think my, you know, one thing that's funny is uh, in both of these things can be true. You'll hear people say the ADPs are incredibly efficient on underdog and the way they push out the updates and they happen in real time. News gets reflected in the ADP within a couple of days. Um, and so the ADPs can be really efficient and yet you can go look at a draft and you'll see, okay, this guy drafted 10 running backs or this guy took four tight ends. And even though they drafted them at, you know, ADP, the structure is generally where I see people making the most mistakes on underdog because of how good the ADP is in the way the default rank set to that. It's almost impossible to make like super bad individual picks in a vacuum, um, manually, but you'll see people messing up structure a ton. So that's why I think I prefer to lean into structure as where to, you know, get my edge as opposed to, you know, falling back on my specific player takes. And normally, if I like a guy, it's normally like I like him maybe a round and a half more than the field. But there are very few times where I'm like, I like this guy, you know, four rounds more to where if I am pushing that edge, I would want to have like 75% of him. And that just... I haven't had that scenario come up for me yet. Yeah, no, I think, look, I think there's validity to a lot of the takes. So we're going to be doing the best we can. I know uh, we got some of the replies on Twitter, people asking us to dig deeper on best balls, what they want to see in the offseason. That'll be certainly a factor here as we bring in some of the sharpest people out there to, to break it down. Guys like Liam, guys like uh, Leone, we talked about. Uh, Pete and I were texting about just some guests that we can get in just to give you guys some different angles. So that's the goal here. Um, that's where we're starting as I think both of our respective viewpoints. And uh, we hope you guys will ride along with us all offseason. And shout out Devin Davis in the chat. Name a better duo, Pete and Spags. That's a nice one. Pete, another positive little mention here for us as we accumulate them one by one week to week. That's right. Uh, you know, this, and this is why our TikTok uh, premise of alternating videos is, is going to uh, to blow us up.
I think we're the most versatile fantasy football show in the business. I will say that in terms of just doing different shows, filling an hour here and there, I, I would find it hard to compete with us on that level, if not the quality of content. I feel like that's the, the one thing. <laughs> oh that's my God, content. Darren, you have, you have too much money uh, to just be donating on this F Malden bit. But I mean, Spags just said we're the most versatile podcast. I mean, we can single-handedly uh, wage an attack on a random town in Massachusetts. That's the kind of range that we can display on this show. It's one of those things where like, if you pull up Google analytics and you could see like where everybody in your country comes from, it's like, we're the number one fantasy football show in Malden, Massachusetts right now. Cause we're <laughs> yeah. always talking about them. That's right. I mean, when we do our, uh, you know, inevitable live tour, our first stop is right on the outskirts of Malden actually. So we can, uh, you know, not properly give them the attention, but that's where our biggest fans are. What is it going to be like? A, a what was it? Office park? I think Derek's having. Is it, we're going to do our show at an office park in Malden, Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah, uh, Sean, I to be completely honest, don't even understand the bit. I think Derek uh, had some business stuff with a building in Malden, and the city was causing him lots of financial and you know time headaches with stuff. Uh, Derek can explain it in the chat, but we are happy. We are clearly on team Derek here with this one. Yeah, we are all here. We're your friends. We're here to vent for you, your bartenders, especially if you tip us. We're willing to listen to all the problems you have, whether they be in Malden, Mass, or abroad. That's always a thing. Um, Pete, you want to pull up the draft here while we catch up on NFL news items just because <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> City Hall. Um, so Roger Goodell is going to be, it looks like, re-up this commissioner. Uh, the quote that I saw about that one, he's at the top of his game right now, said one owner. Why would he want him walking out the door? Uh, nothing too surprising here, Pete, but you know, just we are a fantasy football show. We're covering football. Goodell being in the seat again, feels like he's learned, feels like he's running about as hot as he has in his entire run right now. So uh, I don't think there's any surprises here, but are you ready for another five to 10 years, Pete, of Roger Goodell being the man who uh, lords over one of our favorite products? Yeah, I mean, Roger Goodell is basically, I mean, all owners are to an extent, but he in particular is just a puppet for the owners. So it's kind of, um, I guess I'm ambivalent to it. He hasn't done anything to ever impress me as the, uh, the commissioner. So I don't know. It'd be nice to have a more progressive, sharper, you know, guy in there, like a, an Adam Silver, who seems to be doing a good job with the NBA. So that's a bummer to keep the, uh, the boomer stuff rolling. Uh, with Goodell, but I don't know. It's it's always going to be business as usual with the NFL. Yeah, I mean, the NFL right now is propping up the entire TV industry with the ratings. Like we've talked about on this show a bunch, where the only things that have gone up over the last year are basically uh, NFL ratings and AEW's ratings, the wrestling company. And that's just uh, true across the TV industry where they're clinging to all these life rafts of things that are also having you know ratings driving down, including Adam Silver's NBA. So I get why Goodell would continue to be in power. And I just hope he continues to learn lessons. Like it does seem like he learned some things from his mishandling of the Ray Rice situations, the Kaepernick situations. Maybe he'll start to get some more things right as we all hope to with wisdom and experience and in green bay pete they did hire uh, aaron Rodgers' preferred qb coach a guy tom clements that he single-handedly attributed a lot of his growth as a young qb too we talked about this earlier in the week and you clickbaited it about as handsomely as you can clickbait anything on your channel but aaron Rodgers, i think i'm fully locked in on him being back in green bay i think it would be a gigantic upset if he didn't come back at this point yeah i agree it does seem like things are trending in that direction but it is crazy how I mean, we still have to acknowledge how much like his sentiment and his feelings change on a whim. Like if, if we got another news report in a week where Rogers had some, you know, behind closed doors meeting with the Packers and then they couldn't agree on something and now it's all blown up again, would that surprise you in the least bit? 
I, I guess not, but I, at a certain point, like I think they're now kissing the ring for him where you, you're bringing in guys that he wants to have there. We'll see what they do in free agency too. If they really just only address offensive line and receiver, you know, it's a lot of Aaron Rodgers exerting his will again. But like, I think if you're Aaron Rodgers, if you're going to be a mercurial guy and they're giving you literally everything you want, including bringing a, a quarterback's coach out of retirement, like this guy's been retired since 2016, just to get him back in and try to make him happy and, and have him for this run. You, like you would have to be a gigantic dickhead on an Aaron Rodgers level at this point to just not be a Green Bay Packer with them giving him the whole world and everything in it. Yeah. And that is kind of the funny thing for Rodgers of what, you know, means more to him, you know, having kind of his ear to the GM and being able to call a lot of shots or perhaps a change of scenery where he wouldn't necessarily have that kind of control, but maybe it would be a, a healthier environment. And it kind of reminds me too. I mean, I don't know. Did you see that? It was from, I don't know, it was maybe about a month ago. It was sometime during the NFL playoffs where there was kind of the report where Brady didn't like the kind of more like loosey goosey nature that Bruce Arians kind mm -hmm. of ran the bucks with. And that's kind of the thing, right? Where he went to a new spot, but it wasn't necessarily the exact kind of environment he enjoyed being in. And that probably contributed to him retiring as well. Um, we are on the yeah. clock here. I mean, speaking of the Packers, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely down for Devonte at, at 110. I think, yeah, we have not had Devontae come to our spot so far. He certainly is going to be the wide receiver one, regardless of what happens in Green Bay. Um, you would think at this point with how everything's going with Rodgers. So I feel more comfortable drafting Devontae Adams than we probably would have at any other point anyway. Yeah. Um, I, and I don't know. I Obviously, uh, if stuff happened with Rodgers or, or Devontae leaves, you know, his quarterback situation could um, downgrade. I, I definitely am not discounting that. But... Um, I think there's a lot of situations or changing quarterbacks that could potentially be neutral. And I think if he is back with Rogers, then this is far too cheap. I mean, I think if you locked and loaded Devonte Adams in, I mean, to me, he's a, an easy top five pick. So I, I'm happy to take a little bit of a discount now while we get it. You know, you think back to last year when there was uncertainty, some people were getting Devonte Adams at the back end of round two. Um, mm -hmm. and that ended up being a massive edge. For those teams so I, I like scooping these discounts early whenever we can also people saying too in the youtube chat uh dagus max and tanner board saying they were trying to get in i guess couldn't get into our draft look the splash play drafts are a hot ticket we all know that pete limited inventory is the main thing so uh question here i would say um if we if you want to go with a running back i'm, I'm interested in deandre swift anchor here or you, uh, you will never get me complaining about debo Diggs or aj brown I feel like we we always get Debo, and I'm going to draft for the going against type and say, let's take Stefan Diggs. All right, let's do it. All right. I, I do think I have honestly, and I think we talked about this on one of our previous big board drafts. I have concerns like Gabriel Davis, uh, the monster run he had down the stretch is kind of portending what the future is going to be. But that said, like if he ends up the wide receiver too, and ends up actually being useful, maybe you see a little more attention shift away from Diggs, where he was clearly getting the guy, uh, the guy's getting a lot of the double coverage this year, especially after, you know, Sanders started hot and then kind of ran pretty cold and, and injured down the stretch. Uh, and yes, and it sounds like uh, Tanner is trying to run a concurrent draft. If you guys want to hop in a big board draft uh, with Tanner right now, it sounds like uh, he is down. Uh, but from my experience, these are still filling uh, pretty fast. But it might have been uh, something where I wish, I think you can back it out via math where you can look at how many total entries there are and how many drafts have happened. So you can figure out how many are available spots are available in your specific draft but we probably signed up and there was probably only a couple spots left if everyone was trying to get in
Also, Drico in the chat uh, clarifying his point we talked about earlier in his uh, Twitter debate with Hayden Wink saying, just FYI, I don't think diversification is the aim of the game. I think on the margin, people focus on specific players way too much and not types of players. I, I think, you know, if I misspoke for Drico's point, that's my bad. De- certainly check out the Twitter thread with him and um, and Hayden. I think also Eric Bimeford chiming in there. So a lot of the great minds there are coming together to talk about it. But I think it's more like if you're drafting Bengal stacks over and over and over again in every draft, like, I just think that's sort of what I took away from Hayden's, you know, thought process there, where it's like if you're a big believer in the team and you're drafting them in a certain range, like you should be doing that over and over again. And I just don't think that's the case. Like I think a lot of this is stripping out your own biases as best you can and just trying to get different looks, especially if you are ending up like in the 10 spot every time. Like don't do the same 10 spot draft, do a different version of that 10 spot draft you did last time. Yeah, and to like one of the things Drico uh, or Drico, sorry, is hinting at there. And a good example would be a couple of years ago when Pat and I were doing a bunch of our uh, ship chasing drafts. We Pat was really into Jalen Rager as a prospect. He got very excited about him, and we were extremely overweight Jalen Rager across a bunch of teams. We probably had him on six or seven, and we had very very little Justin Jefferson. And the thing was, is like, you could even talk to Pat, like Pat liked Justin Jefferson. We, you know, he was a, had a great prospect profile, but because we slightly preferred Jalen Rager, we ended up like extremely overweight on that. And that is a classic example of kind of getting overconfident in a specific player, as opposed to a player archetype, which I think is what Drico's talking about here in that, oh, these, you know, rookie wide receivers that get drafted with early capital and have really good prospect profiles and were, you know, productive in college, they often can succeed in year one. And the same thing will transpire with year two wide receivers. Like last year, I had way too much Chase Claypool and, you know, Brandon Ayuk. And I'm trying to come up with uh, who was one of our second year guys who, who actually blew up last year. But I think thinking about players as archetypes and buckets and trying to target those versus falling in love with a specific player within that cohort is definitely the way to be thinking about it. And I would say too, like if you did end up with a ton of Rager, like you should probably be getting some Dallas Goddard or, you know, this year, some Devonta Smith, like get some plays that do leverage against the concept of you being wrong. If you are making that big stance. Um, like, I think that's just something too, again, this is the DFS brain in me talking, but I think that's a big part of the you know diversification as well. Um, you know, Deontay Johnson intriguing Deandre Hopkins being this far down. I know we've talked about maybe having less fear over him aging ungracefully. I don't mind taking another wide receiver here. Yeah, I was going to push for Waller, uh, but he doesn't make it. I mean, I'm kind of out on Hopkins. I think I would prefer Deontay Johnson or like a Cam Akers anchor. Are you okay with Deontay? Yeah, I think Deontay works for me. Just one of those guys that's been Matt Harmon's reception perception guy for years. And I think I think Pittsburgh's going to end up with somebody good at quarterback. And honestly, based on how Ben played last year and how also how Deontay played with Ben playing that poorly, you could argue that pretty much anybody you get in is going to be an upgrade for him. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not too worried. I think Deontay, just his role and and where he wins on the football field, I think that's going to translate to a lot of different quarterbacks. I think he's going to be a, a preferred target. You more worry about, you know, the Chase Claypool role. You know, if you have a dusty quarterback in there that can't get the ball downfield, then, you know, Claypool's going to take a real big hit. But like you said, I can't imagine things getting much worse than it did uh, with Roethlisberger. Maybe it could, uh, but it, that seems unlikely. Yeah, I agree. I just, yeah, at this point, guy's a good route runner who's not a high A dot guy. Like I think Deontay Johnson, you could put in Colt McCoy there and he's probably going to have a decent enough year. Not that, uh, honestly, that actually could be an option they go to. Um, I think Akers here now feels about right. Yeah, I agree. 
Um, I would, yeah, I, I, I love kind of doing these builds where you get your anchor build, but later, like we got a ton of wide receiver firepower. And I mean, Cam Akers before he got hurt last year was going at the one, two turn. Um, and now you're getting him at four, three. And I mean, the one thing too, is we've seen, I mean, McVeigh has gone back to Akers time and time again, every time it'd be like, Oh, Henderson looks like he's playing really well. Uh, nope. Akers comes back, gets all the touches. Oh, Sony Michelle's playing really well. Sony Michelle barely played in the Super Bowl. So I still think this team uh, wants to center around Cam Akers, and I'll happily take uh, this discount here. I think he's one of those guys, too, that, I mean, going last year, he was like a round two running back, right? He he was one. He was a one-two turn pick, like early yeah. second round pick in most drafts uh, in the summer. Yeah, and I think when you combine that with how he got deployed coming back in, like he was clearly hurt, I think, coming back. Like he wasn't full go, wasn't 100%. So I think you give him this full offseason, get a team too that probably needs to make um, some improvement around the edges just to keep up with the Joneses, like as the Rams are going to after you know being a world champion. I think Cam Akers to me, like that, the fact that we got him in the fourth round feels like tremendous value. Yeah, I like that. It, and some of my favorite builds last year uh, towards the end of the summer would be when I would get um, like a DeAndre Swift. Uh, in, you know, his ADP ended up creeping up, but you could get him. I want to say it was like the two, three turn, um, in basically building the anchor after you get to, you know, wide receiver ones. I think that is kind of my favorite, uh, structural strategy. And, you know, it, it, I think it's kind of viable right now. Like Aaron Jones in this round, um, JK Dobbins, who was going much, much earlier, uh, last year, at least around ahead. Um, so I think there's some guys that you can kind of buy the dip on, uh, here and, and build a really nice structure. One thing that I have struggled with in my big board drafts to date is I have not caught up to how quickly the elite quarterbacks go. Mm -hmm. And I've been getting squeezed out of that. I don't know, top seven, eight tier a good bit. And it's kind of, I'm just saying this out loud too, as a reminder, um, that we should maybe consider one of these guys at the five, six, six turn, just so we're, I, I, I just like having that flexibility to only go two QBs in the way I've been drafting these. I've almost always have had to go three QBs um, just because I'm getting them so late. So are we thinking it might be, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is going to be lower, right? Or yeah. Rodgers yeah. is, uh, is lower here. Um, like for me, the, the tier I'm talking about would be like, after Kyler, like this, like Lamar Burrow, Kyler, I I've been missing out. And of course, as I say that fucking Herbert and Lamar go right off. Uh, I love Lamar in this range. Um, and I, I, I don't mind the secondary range either. Um, and I do think because we have Adams, you know, making a gamble on him still being with Rogers, it makes sense. Um, but yeah. we don't have to force it. It's just something I've been trying to be more cognizant of. Yeah. Cause I'm thinking we can get one more wide receiver running back, then take Rogers in the next round and he'll still be there. And like, and we're getting him, we're buying the dip on him and buying into the confidence here because we are tracking these news stories every single week. Like I feel about as close to 100% on Rogers being, you know, going back to green Bay as I think we probably will all off season. So I like, I'm comfortable taking him now. And if we can get him in the, in the six. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know. See, I don't know if we need to take Rodgers here. Like, I wouldn't want to take Rodgers over Burrow and Murray. I still think those yeah. guys are in a different tier. To me, Kyler is the guy that you're getting a discount on right now relative to news. You know, we have all the things, you know, uh, him beefing or not being happy with the franchise, more 
calling him, uh, you know, malcontent and selfish and all this. Whereas like once things snap back, God, every time I talk about a guy, he just gets sniped. Um, I'm fine passing on Burrow here though. And then seeing, I think Rogers will make it back to us, uh, in the, in the seventh. Yeah. I think go back to the wide receiver. Um, I mean, do we like Pittman enough Pittman or Williams enough to go here? Yeah, I mean, the ship chasing guys never let me draft Pittman because Pat and Gretch don't like him. Uh, so I'm happy to get Pittman, yeah, Pittman here. He made a leap last year, and that was with T.Y. being healthy most of the year. And there could be, you know, either Wentz, they'll have some continuity there, or a QB upgrade. I think all those things bode well. Williams is a free agent, too, I think, right? So that's that yeah. could be a spot where he moves, which could be positive for him, but we just won't know how to stack that up. Yeah. Um, I also would... I also don't mind taking, I was going to say Brees Hall, but he obviously goes here. I'm also not opposed to, and I know I'm going to say, I mean, he's going to get picked, but I also like uh, Michael Carter as like an RB2 in this range. Oh yeah. Michael Carter showed the past game work. I wouldn't be opposed there. And we have talked in the past about the Jets maybe being one of those teams that can take a, a Bengals-ish jump, if not a, a full Bengals jump. And one thing for me too, Brees Hall, I will say, and this is where our Football Outsiders uh, FO40 board is going to come into play. We have had Kenneth Walker being the top fantasy, you know, potential fantasy guy, obviously subject to whatever situation these guys end up in. But that's something our guy Mike Tanier has been really drilling in that Walker's number one, Spiller's number two, Brees Hall's number three. So I think waiting to get Kenneth Walker a little bit later on would be my preference over taking Brees Hall a little bit early. Yeah, uh, Debo is going ham on running backs there. Um, I'm I'm down for I'm down for Carter play? here. Are you Carter? I mean, are we going to wait on Rodgers or do we just want to get Rodgers now just to have somebody that we know? I I think we still I think we have. I feel like there's more of a cliff at running back than there is at okay quarterback. So take Michael right Carter. Now. I mean, young guy coming into second year offense that's going to be better. I support it. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, we, we still have, um, other outs here. Um, Robert saying Colts have no QB, uh, Carson has a serious injury. I, I mean, the thesis of the play when I draft Michael Pittman literally has nothing to do with the quarterback. Uh, like I don't think Carson Wentz elevated Michael Pittman this year. Mm -hmm. I think at best he was kind of a neutral effect on his performance. So I'm not too worried about, uh, Pittman in the context uh, of his quarterback. I agree. And I think too, like, you know, it really comes down to what I said earlier. Like, I think if Carson Wentz comes back, like he's probably, even if he's still not good, he's still going to rely on Pittman a little bit more and know where he wants the ball and know how he handles cutting off his routes and things like that. Um, so that's a positive. And if they don't have Carson Wentz at QB and it's somebody who's hopefully a little bit better, or maybe somebody who fits what Frank Reich wants to accomplish more, that's probably also good for Pittman. So I think Pittman's one of those options where it's getting better. I think either way for him, plus just him being young and growing into his skin a little bit more heading into year three. Checking out some of these other builds here to see what people are doing. Um, most teams have, uh, I would say, about half the quarterbacks because we've had about, what, QB? What do we have? Two, four, five, six. So, so we've had seven off the board through, through six rounds. Um, any of these other structures uh, jumping out to you uh, right now? I'm kind of surprised. I mean, it's really RB heavy. I know our guy Derek's in the chat and he's going really RB heavy, um, including the he's got the the pick after us. He's got Javante Williams, Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones and Brees Hall. The one thing that stands out to me is that Willis is always in our drafts. And I think he now finds our drafts to be plus EV. Like, obviously, he's a part of the show, too. So we're glad to have him in there. But I think he also likes knowing what we're doing. So that's at least one person that he can fully see like the strategy on and then pick accordingly. And, and that's just clever by our accountant Willis. That's right. You know, uh, as, as Chris G 
uh, once famously said, uh, drafting with these streamers is uh, idiot streamers is plus EV. <laughs> yeah, he didn't I mean, say idiot. I think that was my punch up on on his line. <laughs> if we're literally talking about if you have one person in a draft literally telling you who they're trying to draft and then getting angry and like whatever on a show and you can pivot around that like, yeah, that is probably plus EV. <laughs> I will say too, uh, I will all spin zone it and say why it's plus EV for us in that it goes back to the diversification. Uh mm -hmm conversation where I say all the players I like who I normally would just draft and then you take them from me and I'm forced to draft players that are probably have similar probability of being just as good. I just don't take them because they're not my preferred option. So jokes on you. You're forcing me into positive diversification. FF Doom saying anything against Spags is plus EV. That's inaccurate. <laughs> You'd ask the fine bookmakers at Foxbet how they've been getting worked with my, <laughs> my fixes. Pete and I were talking before the show. I got another another $500 bet on the Yale first half line today, Pete, because that's that's where I am in my degeneracy is now I don't even want to know the teams. I just want to know what's a good bet and what's not a good bet. There you go. Um, let's see here. So, uh, man, we're probably going to be going more like tight end, by three um just because this is a pretty big cliff here i will say as far as the quarterback stuff i, I think jalen hurts is is mispriced um in this range i don't know if we want to like with debo behind us not having taken a quarterback with two picks yet to go um what do you what do you think about hurts I mean, Jalen Hurts is perfectly fine as a naked QB, so I think that works for me. I am a little bit bummed that we're not getting Aaron Rodgers though. Um wait. We Rogers went though. That's what yeah, I, no, I mean. I'm saying oh, that okay. we didn't get him. Yeah. 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 I didn't think he, who, who took Rogers and then we can criticize them. Aaron Rogers went out oh, to uh Paquant here. Um, you're killing me. You're killing me. Just let us get our stack. You take the naked Jalen hurts. Uh, Oh, your second QB too. Oh my God. I'm tilting. I'm tilting. Also, Willis is tailing my Yale pick. To be clear, the Yale bet that I got was, but, 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 where is it? Uh, Yale minus two and a half at plus 100 was the first half spread. So I think it actually might have been an alternate spread. But And where, uh, I mean, this is a, a very natural organic plug, but wh where are you pulling this from? Well, to be clear, I'm pulling this from my own sources now, but this will be part of our edgesports.com relaunch that we're doing uh, coming up next week. But basically, you know, tracking top international sports books that I won't name out loud, but if you ever want to DM me and learn more about it, there's a couple of sports books internationally that have been doing this for very long that take every bet, including $100,000, million dollar bets from people, don't limit their betters. As a result, they have the sharpest market out there. And if you compare those lines to your American sports book lines, you're probably going to win more often than not. And we are on the clock. Um, I would say I don't mind AJ Dillon if we want to I round agree. out our Packers bet. Garrett Wilson could be a fun pick, but what do you think? I would say Dylan or Kenneth Walker would be my two. All right, let's do Dylan. Um, yeah. So anyway, just to finish the thought there, basically, if you're seeing minus money on some of the top international sports books, maybe ones that rhyme with Rinnacle, um, if you see that bet there and then you can go to your sports book and get a plus money bet on something they have as minus money, that's generally going to make you profitable over time because that's just a probability <sighs> game at that point. Kevin says, I don't think I stacked QB wide receiver last season. Should I focus on doing that more this year in best ball? Um, I think if you're playing the tournaments, uh, you definitely should be focused on stacking. I think some people take it a little too far. You know, you'll see people re uh, reaching ahead of ADP two to three rounds to complete their stacks or to grab their quarterback. I think uh, there's diminishing returns when you do that. But when you think about how these tournament structures work, 
and how you need to finish top of your group to advance during those, you know, money playoff weeks, 15, 16, 17, um, the stacking and the correlation just makes so, so much sense. Um, you can use an example of think back to all of the borough uh, teams that advanced uh, that week that they played the Chiefs, all the Burrow Higgins teams, because those guys just put up massive, massive scores. And then if you had a Burrow double stack with Higgins and Chase, well, now all of a sudden you get the Chase big week, week 17, you get the big Higgins week, the, you know, a couple weeks before, whenever that was. So um, I do think you should be thinking about stacking and, and correlation in these tournaments. And I think also, but you know, for this particular tournament though, Pete, like I, I think I'm less slavish to stacking as you would be in like a July best ball where, you know, kind of, kind of the outlay of what, you know, the depth chart might be, or, you know, at least who the quarterbacks are going to be like here. I don't like, we're probably not going to end up with a clean stack, but I also feel like we have a pretty good build. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like I don't panic, uh, about it because one, I think we have one of the best QBs to not have unstacked, like you mentioned before. And, you know, we're going to have, you know, backdoor stack options. It's also just hard. Um, at this time of the year, we, we have rookie quarterbacks coming in. We have free agency, we have trades, we have injuries. Like some of these backdoor stacks are, are much harder to do right now as well. So I think, um, I, I, for that reason, I have been drafting a lot of three quarterback teams, both because I've been getting squeezed on the elite guys. And also, um, because I don't think my edge right now is with some of these clever stacks. Cause we just don't know. So I've basically just been trying to kind of raise my floor with the amount of QB points I'm getting, but I still think there's some nice values, uh, down here. And even looking at Daniel Jones, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Tua, Tannehill, like there's some pretty easy backdoor stacks that you can set up with these guys. And we, we kind of know where, where they're going to be. Would you uh, take a Deshaun Watson at all in one of these drafts at this point, just without knowing where he's going to be or if he's going to be anywhere? I think I've taken him in one of these. Um, I do think he's probably a decent risk reward um, at these prices um, as your, you know, QB two or whatever. Um yeah, I I have a blind spot because I just don't want to root for him. I just like don't even want to be sweating his shit. Um, and I think with his legal stuff still unsettled, there's, you know, it's it's not a slam dunk that he's going to be playing next yeah. year. Um, but at these prices, I think the risk reward is is probably there. Uh, tube socks in the chat saying you get Denver guys late. Hope they get a QB, preferably Rogers. I mean, this particular draft that we're making today is uh, based on the concept that Rogers is not going to be going anywhere besides green Bay. That's why we took Devonte Adams where we did. Um, but yeah, I mean, Denver, we, we talked about this last time. Like we took drew lock on a stream, uh, draft previously, just because he's the guy in there. He's currently the favorite to be a uh, Denver's QB, according to the betting odds. But like the hope is that they'll upgrade to somebody. I just don't think you could trust any Denver stack right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think they're a team you go out of your way. Yeah, that draft we did, it made sense because I think we had, what, Sutton and Tim Patrick and needed a third QB. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we're going to be on the clock here. Uh, I do think, uh, I mean, there's some interesting names here for sure. I, I wouldn't mind getting a tight end. Like, to me, there's a little bit of a tear break after Fryermuth and Gesicki. Like, I still think those guys have some potential for upside. And... It, this could be one of those spots where we basically try to do a Pittsburgh stack and then throw a dart on like the QB three to see if we could hit it. Yeah, I would take Furmuth here. I'm okay with that. And the other thing too about it is even if we don't 
end up getting the correct quarterback. Like there's still the, the macro correlation. Like if the Steelers do find their quarterback of the future and they have a top five offense next year, like just because we have the quarterback or don't have the quarterback doesn't mean we wouldn't want pieces of an explosive offense and some of their most talented players. So I'm not ever Xing out and being like, well, I'm not taking Fryermuth with Deontay Johnson because we don't have or know the quarterback. Like, I don't, I don't think that's the way to think about it either. And also that's something again, not to tie everything back to DFS, but like you see that win tournaments a lot where it's like, Oh, you got the two chiefs receivers, but not Patrick Mahomes at QB like Jalen hurts kind of proofs us in that front where he's going to do what he does and probably not results in a ton of spiked upside for his receivers. Certainly some, but not as much as other QBs. And as a result, like you should probably need to cover that gap between whatever stacks go off. Um, in our case, the Pittsburgh one, but like Jalen hurts is going to give you 20 a week. So like does that five points that you would get from the Pittsburgh QB matter that much? Probably not. Here, I, I just did some quick Googling for some alpha here because uh, Devin also asked, who are the Steelers quarterback going to be? Any ideas? I found uh, this blog. I think it's the SB Nation, uh, Steelers Nation one, but uh, the rookie quarterback, Sam Howell, University of North Carolina, Sam Howell really looks to be one of the Steelers front offices. Oh, so we're on draft the darling. oh my bad. I got excited <laughs> talking about Sam Howell. No, um, who you do you did. like? Um, how about Rondale? Okay. You're never going to... Uh, Ramondre Stevenson being there still kind of intriguing too. Yeah, but, uh, I, yeah. I feel like Ramondre's even gotten cheaper than where we took him in a draft a couple mm -hmm. weeks ago. I agree. Um, um let yeah, me finish my Sam Howell uh propaganda here. So it says the Steelers front office has been to Chapel Hill a number of times for practice games and everything in between. If the Steelers are set on taking a quarterback with a 20th pick, I feel like Howell could have a very good chance at his name being called. And I will say too. I believe I forget whose big board draft or whose rankings I was looking at. They actually had Sam Howell as the number one overall quarterback prospect too, which I feel like I've been hearing Malik Willis uh, more than Sam Howell. So I don't know. Uh, I don't, I, I like that. Uh, reading the tea leaves there on our FO fantasy 40 board, which again, coming up publicly on the 28th, but I have the, the spreadsheet version of it to look at uh, and consult during these drafts. Kenny Pickett, number one QB, Malik Willis, number two QB, Matt Corral, number three, Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati, number four. Apparently he's a guy that could be on the watch uh, for rising up the boards. Sam Howell, number five. So actually not that bad. I think Malik Willis is the one that I've seen linked more to Pittsburgh, but I guess if you do see the reporting about uh, more visits to watch the guy play, like that could be a thing that they just take Sam Howell in the, the second, I guess maybe third. I will also just say again, I've I, not that we need to go out of our ways to try to nail this, but just with this structure build, I think hurts with two rookie quarterbacks would be a pretty justifiable uh, build as well. Um, so we, we could have, we could have some fun throwing, uh, throwing darts on that. You wouldn't take a Mason Rudolph though. Uh, I, I wouldn't just because I don't, it, you know, it's the kind of, he's like, what a poor man's Matt Ryan, where it's like, he's, he's gonna not going to run this year in a way that I thought was surprising. That's the only reason he stands out at all to me. Yeah. Uh, Chris, uh, who is uh, keeping track of us, said we took uh, Ramondre at 101 last draft. Willis just took him here at pick 115. So he is, uh, he's getting a little cheaper. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, but I, yeah, I, I think, but yeah, I just don't think uh, Mason Rudolph is something. He, I feel like he's the definition, even at his best, of being a replaceable fantasy producer. Uh, it's just like, how many times is he going to score more than 25 points? and and really be a net positive for your lineup that just seems pretty unlikely to me 
I think that's fair. I, I was just throwing the question out there because sometimes inertia just does carry these guys to start these guys to starting jobs, and if they don't find somebody to like more, <laughs> you you riled up the chat so much. <laughs> everyone on this, everyone awoke. It was like Spags, get, get this Mason Rudolph shit out of here. He's been there for multiple years. Survived uh, 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 accusations that were not great for Miles Garrett. Like uh, they like Mason Rudolph enough, I'd say. Though <laughs> Dwayne Haskins, Pete, you want to say Dwayne Haskins? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> well, that's why I talked about getting squeezed in these drafts. Um, but it's mainly, it feels a little barbelled right now where the elite quarterbacks are going early. Um, a couple of the mid tier guys get sprinkled in. And then a lot of these guys are sitting down here at, at what I would consider palatable prices. I still like conceptually the Zach Wilson, uh, you know, kind of QB late stack there where you could, you got to pay attention to get Elijah Moore when he's going to be appropriate. But like, him Carter with Zach Wilson. Like, I think that's an interesting jet stack that I just, I find appealing that people just probably won't land on very much. Yeah. Um, all right. So looking at the board here, now we're into like a ton of question mark territory. Uh, as far as like all these guys at the top of the board, whether with injuries or free agency status, uh, what, what's jumping out to you here for pick eleven ten? Decent value at Jamison Williams. He's currently yeah. number five on our fantasy 40 board and the number two wide receiver overall behind Garrett Wilson. So uh, every time, I, every time we say a guy's name, he goes, Oh fuck. All right. Well, Jamison Williams, good, good pick. <laughs> good pick yeah. by that guy. Um, ugh. Okay. Now it got ugly. Uh, um, I would say like, I don't mind chase Edmonds. If we want to round out our bet on the, Cardinals. I also, if we want to add Cole Komet, I think he has some decent upside still. Chase, let's go Chase. Okay. I mean, Melvin Gordon's standing there, and I feel like he's he's gonna get carries somewhere. Pete in, my, in the ten, he's gonna get ten to fifteen carries. I say, even if he's in Denver, if he's in somewhere else, like, is that does that have any interest at all to you at this point? Sorry, who's that? Uh, Melvin Gordon. Uh, no, because you're you're basically having to hit a multi-leg parlay where as good as, uh, you know, Melvin Gordon looked, uh, last year, he's still getting older and, you know, we know how those running backs can fall off the age cliff quickly. And on top of that, we need him to land in a situation where he's getting at least 50% of the carries in a decent run offense. Um, so like nailing all of those things doesn't seem like the best bet to be making at this point in the draft. And FF Doom in the chat saying is Edmonds dropping just from free agency uncertainty. I mean, that's part of it. He's 25. Like Chase Edmonds is pretty young. So you got to think he's going to land somewhere that's going to view him as somebody who's, you know, can shoulder a good amount of the workload, if not an entire workload. Yeah. Um, I would say structurally, uh, another wide receiver or or going with a tight end like Komet here uh, makes sense. Uh, you know, we were talking on ship chasing and I know when Gretsch had done some of his targets per, uh, route run stuff that he thought Jarvis Landry was an incredible value in this range. But is there, is there any other wide receivers that jump out for you? Um, I mean, Gage made some strides, but he's just kind of a poor man's version of Landry. I guess Van Jefferson could be useful, but then Woods should be back anyway, even if they don't keep Odell. Um, I'm, I'm with you on Jarvis Landry. I'm going to take that stab. Yeah. I think he's I think he's a solid pick here. He's he's not exciting. He's not sexy. Uh, but uh I think at this at this cost, I mean where where was he going last year? Was he like a 
Is he like an eighth and ninth round pick in most I mean, drafts? It like? had to be higher than this, I would think. Yeah, I feel like he was somewhere in that eight to ten range. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, get definitely getting uh, a bit of a discount on him where I don't think much has changed for him. Um, if anything, uh, but that I think there's a lot of room for that offense to, to be better, especially in the passing game. Uh, shout out to Derek, of course, our king of Malden, Massachusetts, saying he's not sniping us if we mentioned someone good. Very kind of him to do that, given that somehow everybody else is sniping our guys the second we send them. And Tubeshawk saying, what are the optimal shots you should take on drafting this early that would pay off versus drafting later? Uh, finding late round guys who could rise. I know, Pete, what you said a couple shows ago just held true to me that just guys you think the ADP is going to go up on for various reasons. I think that's what I'm bringing mostly to each show. But uh, do you have any thoughts you'd give to Tubeshawks? Yeah, that's always kind of my rule of thumb. Even right before the season starts when we're drafting our season-long leagues, and I know Sean Siegel uh, over at Rotoviz, who's, uh, uh, in my opinion, the best fantasy sports player, he always says, like, what round is this guy going to be taken next year? You know, and that's why it's sometimes hard to, you know, draft the Jarvis Landrys because you're like, is Jarvis Landry going to be a fourth-round pick? next year at this time? Probably not, but we're probably going to get decent value on him. So to me, it's, um, if I'm thinking about these drafts as part of my portfolio for the entire off season, it is thinking like, where is sentiment going to change by August? We mentioned that with Devonte Adams, once things solidify with him, he's probably going to be a top five pick. And obviously with some of these rookie landing spots, those are guys that are, can move up guys who are in free agency. So taking the uncertainty or, you know, the players where other people are concerned about that, uh, I think is is a really smart strategy. And then also kind of tying back into what we were saying with Drico and diversification, knowing the type of players that historically can make these leaps. So these second year wide receivers and these rookie wide receivers, second year running backs, I think focusing on those buckets of players whose value can can really change is a, is a good strategy. Um, also, we... Devin asked if we're doing another big board after this one. We're going to do these every week, uh, but would not not stack it up because these are actually kind of long, Pete. But I don't know if you're going to be doing more of these just to fill your your content schedule. Yeah, I'm probably going to be uh, chilling for the next week or so before I go on my trip. Uh, but when I get back from that, probably starting mid-March, I will start doing uh, best ball breakfast streams on Monday mornings. I did those all last uh, spring and summer and enjoyed that. So at least on this channel alone. You can get me on Monday morning. Spags and I will draft on Fridays. And then over on Ship Chasing 2, uh, we've been drafting most Wednesdays as well, kind of ping-ponging back and forth between Underdog and FFPC. So plenty of drafting to go around. And uh, BSP asking thoughts on David Bell. Obviously, you know, for us, we're really relying on these other data sources, including uh, the company I work for, Football Outsiders, and then also uh, Rotoviz, who we talked about, the Ringers stuff we looked at as well. Uh, but, you know, we're at this point mostly trying to trust these guys. But David Bell, currently the number six overall receiver, according to Football Outsiders Fantasy 40, and number 15 overall on the board. So they are certainly seeing a lot of wide receiver value. And David Bell is one of those guys. And actually, surprisingly ahead of Drake London, who has gotten a lot more hype coming out of USC, my alma mater. Yeah, I, I think with the rookies just... Uh you know, splitting them, um, and, and sprinkling them in. And, and also like they are often the most fun picks, uh, in these draft because they are the shiny new thing. There's this black box nature of where are they going to end up? But I do think it's important to do those exercises and think of the cohorts of players and where these guys generally go. Like 
Most of these guys aren't going to be Jamar Chase. Uh, Jamar Chase had one of the most insane prospect profiles we've ever seen. Most of them are not going to, you know, be Jalen Waddle, where they not only kind of land in a nice spot where there's opportunity, other guys have injuries, then it's a perfect stylistic fit with the quarterback. Like those situations are hard to come by. And a lot of times I feel like some of these rookies right now are being drafted as if they're going to have that outcome. Um, so I want to be taking shots, trying to find the next Amon Ross St. Brown more so than trying to find the next, you know, Jalen Waddle. Uh, I think just cost adjusted, you'll do a lot better trying to mine the gems deep than kind of paying a premium because they have more buzz. Yeah. And I think, you know, we're going to certainly dig more on the data as well, whether it be, you know, bringing some people on here to talk about that. I know I'm planning on doing a college data poll um, at some point when, after we get our board, but um, you know, last year, I think we identified some guys. We did identify Waddle and Devonta Smith as guys that um, ended up having upside. Obviously they were also the top two drafted um, and Jamar chase. Like, you know, there are certain guys that are going to bubble up and you're going to hear about on every show, including ours. Um, and I think that process certainly sees itself out over the next, you know, two to three, you know, two to three month window for sure. But certainly the next oh, four shit. to six weeks. Oh my God. Oh, oh, come on. <laughs> Do it. All right. Let me explain what happened. <laughs> Silas told me that the NFL day, uh, Super Bowl pack waiting room is open. I was going and getting in the queue. Didn't realize we were on the clock and whoopsie daisy just accidentally drafted. LaVisca Chanel and everyone can attest roll back the tape. He wasn't in the queue. <laughs> Unbelievable. <How> did you... <laughs> we did it deliberately last time. So I guess it was due to happen accidentally. Maybe. I mean, sometimes destiny is just something you can't bully. You just have to accept what the world is offering us. Oh my God. <laughs> this pack is $260 on all day. Do I really, is that, am I going to get a return on this Pete as somebody who probably not, um, let, but we are on the clock. Let's not oh. draft Curtis Samuel here. <laughs> um, Hey, you want to take Marvin Jones back door that Jack? Uh, <laughs> no, uh, actually KJ Osborne. Okay. You, you sound excited for KJ Osborne. It, the chance that Thielen might not be there. We saw Osborne kind of perform comparably. Um, and you know, get another young guy, get more reps. He's going to improve. The chat is demanding that I roll the clip. I'm going to have to go to the ship chasing theme just to do this, but here you go. You filthy animal. Uh, I'm now in the NFL all day waiting room too, after seeing some of the chats from Silas and Willis. So we're all doing minus EV things today. Pete, you taking, <laughs> you taking LaVisca, me in the all day room. We're all doing it. I know every time I log into one of these new pack drops, the price just keeps going up. You know, they're going to get me, you know, they'll have the hollow drop for, it'll be a thousand. One of these days, you're just going to click a link and it's going to be like $20,000 for this pack. And we're going to be like, wait, how did this happen? I was looking at my Top Shot account the other day, just seeing like if I should be trying to sell anything. And I'm I have 65 moments, Pete, and they are the shittiest moments because I've sold off all my good ones. It's all like four dollar ones of fucking fifth string point guards. Like it is, it is really ugly on my Top Shot account. I uh, I'm surprised you haven't gotten more hooked just because you're more you're pretty into the NBA and playing the NBA DFS. Because I I know Awesome 
got hooked uh, via the same kind of way. So I'm surprised you haven't dove deeper. Well, it's because he did it really early, like which was the the smart move, getting in early when the packs were flowing and you could buy markets and you would see him go up. Or as I got in after and I, I you know made one or two big sales, like I had a Zion, uh, whatever, not uh, wasn't a legendary certainly, uh, but what one of the Zion packs that came out gave me my entire bankroll for it, and it turned fifty into like a thousand, and then just kind of made some bad purchases and was like, I guess I'll just keep the thousand. <laughs> and that's and it's just sitting in my dapper wallet so that's why i'm gonna buy this pack is because it's just literally doing nothing for me right now this is how dapper wins because uh you know it's it's too hard for us to deposit so we just leave it in there and then whatever shiny new pack pops up we're like well we got this money just burning a hole in our pocket this will actually be my first all-day purchase too assuming that i i get in so i you know, they're, they're really getting me here. They are getting me the fully, I'm going to reinvest money. And I'm, I just know I, people are saying there's going to be a rare or a legendary in this pack. I just know mine's going to be like the fucking Ben Skoronek legendary of him not catching a pass. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I, I do think this is a good pack. Just, um, it being, uh, the Super Bowl pack, I think even more than like top shot with the finals, like just having it be from a singular game gives it more importance. And you have a nice combo of like all the Rams players who had nice plays are superstars, you know, Stafford cup, Von Miller, Aaron Donald. And then on the Bengals side, you know, with Higgins chase burrow, you have all these super young, exciting guys. So I, I think it lines up to be a valuable pack. Um, all right. So we're going to have to start thinking about yeah, alternate QBs or tight ends. Tight end has gotten really gross. I don't mind um, Ingram here, hoping that the offense gets better. Dable is a tight ends coach historically. We saw Dawson Knox have a great year last year. Yeah. Let's do Ingram. Um, so structurally, we have 16, 17. We have five more picks. I think I think we should go with the double rookie quarterback strategy with Hertz. Okay. I was um, encouraged by Jameis that clip of him working at his knees and him going like he looked he looked pretty close to ready to be on the field. Yeah. Yeah. Um I don't I'm not saying we should take Jameis to be clear, but I did like seeing the clip of him being mobile. I, I'm I'm a Jameis fan, which is crazy because I used to hate that man so much. Sorry, Derek. Um <laughs> I don't like to make a business of sniping people who give us thirty dollars in uh, you know, Malden <laughs> driven <laughs> super chats. Derek is single-handedly bankrolling all these drafts. It's true. It's true. Um, yeah, man, I, I, I am glad we got Fryermuth when we did. We probably should have grabbed another there, but we we can go tight end by three. Um, so if we have two more picks that are going to be quarterbacks, one more that's going to be a tight end, it means we have, I would say, probably one more wide receiver and one more running back that we could draft. Um, I'm definitely on board with Mostert here. I think. I think this is still too cheap for him. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't mind it. I don't mind most. Hurts. Who would be, I'm, I'm open to other, other options. I would consider taking one of the rookie tight ends at this point, but I think Trey McBride already went, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's the only first rounder. Um, yeah. Mo, let's just take Mustard and deal with it. Yeah. I, I do think we could also end up with another Jags. We could end up with Dan Arnold and we can, as <laughs> we seem to do every draft. I like how the sentiment is now Mostert's dusty because he got injured. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. Mostert was going to have an absolutely massive year uh, last year if, if, if he didn't get injured there. Um, and again, of all the backfields, I've been taking Trey Sermon late in these drafts too, where 
it literally does not matter. If if we have a running back who's getting starting touches in the 49ers offense, they are going to be a productive fantasy asset. Um, I think where Eli Mitchell is going, even though he's the best bet to be the guy there, I think it's a little rich. And I want to take shots on the cheap guys who, in the event of a Mitchell injury or just through their play, um, or if Mostert lands somewhere else. Like I feel like there's a decent amount of outs for these for these guys. Chris G representing for the Chris is out there calling out the number two tight end who actually could theoretically rise his way into the first round. Jalen Weidermeyer from Texas A&M. And he's actually our uh, number two tight end on the fantasy 40 on football outsiders as well. So good call there. And he's actually had, I think Jake Ferguson's gotten some more headlines, but uh, we apparently think that Weidermeyer is going to bubble up above him. Yeah. I, I have no uh, Weidermeyer takes yet. Oh, well, that's, he just seems like a guy who doesn't light you up on fire. Like Sky Moore did. <laughs> Uh, I like Heinz doom. Uh, I feel like, um, everyone feels burned by those pass catching backs last year that didn't really deliver, but I still think that archetype, uh, makes a ton of sense in your builds, especially zero RB builds. And, uh, yeah, I, I have no problem with, uh, with Heinz. And if you're watching live or after the fact, make sure you hit the like button here. Uh, the good news for you, if you're watching this one, is you got to see LaVisca Chenault. You got to see the clip. So how could you not hit the like button after that, Pete? This this bit that uh, <laughs> grows sadder by the offseason. <laughs> it is. I mean, the saddest part about the, the Visca thing is I, when I made that first clip, my thought was I will continue to update it like throughout his career. And I've never felt compelled. I've never had enough footage to justify updating it. The preseason game last year, where we caught the two touchdowns from Trevor Lawrence. I feel like was actually the apex of his, like everybody being in. Yeah. Um, this will be the year though. It's like once everyone's finally uh, off of him, uh, that's when we can fly. Uh, Tube Sox asking thoughts on forgotten sophomores, AKA uh, Terrace Marshall and Diami Brown. I think we took, I think we've taken both those guys at some point during our, our draft so far, Pete. And I think they're perfectly valuable assets. Like it really just takes Marshall. If you see Robbie Anderson go or somehow DJ Moore moved on, like if Marshall steps up into that, one of those top two receiver slots, he could be useful. And Diami Brown, we actually saw be kind of useful last year. Yeah. I think I'm more interested in Diami because I feel like his lack of production was more opportunity um, driven as opposed to not being good. Whereas Terrace Marshall had some opportunities and he just did not have a good year. Um, let's see here. So if we're going to, I think we can do our, so we're going to do one more wide receiver, one more tight end. I mean, do you want to do Najoku? I think he makes sense too, with our Landry kind of our, um, our bet on, the Browns similar yeah, to our joke who works. I mean, it's either that or Dan Arnold. We've already done a Dan Arnold draft. I like diversifying. So I will <laughs> say let's get David and Joku's way. Yeah. And then I feel like we could have fun with some of our rookies. We got Kenny Pickett, uh, Matt, uh, Corral and, uh, Sam Howell. Like, I feel like we could get two of those three guys. Malik Willis is gone. Huh? I didn't see him. I didn't pay attention when he was gone. Yeah. Who took, uh, Malik Willis, Got drafted by the parlay. Where is he? Oh, at the turn. Uh, he took uh, him. Wait, where? Wait. <laughs> where oh, there is he? he? Uh, in the 13th. No, no, the 15th. Sorry. Oh, wait. A Furiyama took him. Oh, Furiyama. That was, that must have been a bug on there. Um, Yeah. Okay. 
15th round. Yeah. Doesn't seem, hmm. doesn't seem awful. That's interesting. I, I look, my theory is that he ends up being the top QB drafted. So I'm intrigued to see that movement here in these drafts. All right. Um, we're on the clock. So we're either taking one of our rookie quarterbacks or our final wide receiver. Uh, I think let's take a rookie QB. Um, you want to do pick Kenny it? Pickett. Yeah. Okay. Like he's, he's the only one who's got odds to be the number one overall pick. I still think Malik Willis passes him overall, but Pickett's being valued, you know, like a guy who should be at least in the mix to be a day one starter, if not actually be a day one starter. Yeah. I don't mind it. Boy, that is an ugly QB room though. <laughs> what do you, I mean, you're just a classic Philly fan, just shitting on Jalen hurts. There's nothing wrong with Jalen hurts. That's true. Me, I, I was canvassing some people before the draft today and was like, what do you think about Jalen Hurts? Should we draft him along with one of the rookie QBs? And they were like, no, you got to get somebody a little more solid. And Jalen, Jalen, get out of town, is what they were saying, yelling from their doors. I don't know. Gardner Minshew! Put, <laughs> put a headband on. We need a guy like Gardner Minshew. Oh, my God. Uh, I, I Honestly... An interesting team we built here. I don't know if this is good. <laughs> this is a good team or a bad team, but it's an interesting team for sure. It is. It is interesting. Um, I one of these days I will not get shut out of uh, an elite quarterback, but right now my exposures uh, are not are not including those players. No, I. <laughs> I mean. I, we try to get Trey Lance and now Trey Lance is going like 75th overall. I was seeing on Twitter. Well, This is, I mean, the Trey Lance stuff, like, don't get me wrong. I, I, I want Trey Lance to be so, so good. Nothing would make me more happy, but Trey Lance in the seventh, when with Jalen hurts, I guess Trey, I guess we took him right around the same range. So, I mean, that makes sense, but I still do think I'd prefer Jalen hurts over Lance because it's like, you're hoping Trey Lance turns into Jalen hurts probably have a bit of a better supporting cast, better coach. So I, I get it, but you're still, you're still buying uh, something we haven't seen yet where we have seen it with Hertz. I don't know. No, I, I'm with you on that. And also our guy, Derek, who's been uh, busy lighting us up with super chats, bashing Malden mass, apparently not happy <laughs> with his wide receivers. Uh, who does Derek have a receiver? Pete? Well, the... Derek, let me, let me tell you how this works. When you use uh four of your first uh, five picks on running backs. And then one of those wide receivers is Deandre Hopkins. You're going to hate your fucking wide receivers. <laughs> I was going to say like, he's drafting. Like um, we talked about Eagles on the shows. Another guy that's always maxing these out and has done pretty well. Uh, James is his real name. Um, he was like talk, talking up really heavily drafting running backs. And I was like, look, I, I have more power to anybody here. Who's not just going with the hive mind thought, even if I do agree, like, you know, the zero RB movement speaks a little bit more to me. Shout out to everybody just drafting five running backs. <laughs> just hoping it works out. That's right. Got to mix it up. Goes back to diversify. The, like that is the thing. <laughs> Everyone thinks diversification means diversification through your player exposures. You, uh, you should be diversifying your structures uh, as well. Yeah. Uh, I- let's see. I do think I want one of these picks. I want to take... I want to take Sam Howell. I want to call my shot. I did 30 seconds of research. I found a Steelers blog who has connected. They took the cork board out. They said the Pittsburgh Steelers officials have been at Chapel Hill scouting this guy. And then we are going to come back and circle back to this draft. Um, after the NFL draft, and we're going to say, Pete, you fucking Oracle, you. You you are the Sam Howell whisperer. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with it. Good. I, I do like Desmond Ritter more. I just, cause I've seen more clips of him, but 
like As, if you're if, if the Steelers blogs were saying Howell, who am I to question that? I mean, the blogs say Howell, baby. Calling my shot. Chris G, mark this down in our spreadsheet that you're keeping track for us. The day I backdoored uh, a Steelers quarterback stack before they had even drafted him. Here's the question. Do we, do we think like over the course of his career, Sam Howell is better than Ben DiNucci? <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. Well, he won't be the pride of Italy though. Unless his name's right. Howellini. <laughs> Right after this show, I'm going to go watch my first bit of Sam Howell tape. I bet it's awful. I bet it's like worse than Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> um, all right. Wide receivers here. Uh, we have yet to take. Um, have we? So our only rookies we've taken so far are quarterbacks. I, I say we add another wide receiver to round this out. Do we have Jahan Dotson somewhere? Help. He's gone. He's gone. Traylon Burks also gone. Long gone. Uh, Chris Olave. Olave. I think yeah. he's gone. I think the uh, long gone. Um, Jalen Tolbert uh, is looks like the top rookie he's, still available. He's pretty down on our board. I would say Drake London or John Matchy over him. I think both those guys are all gone. <laughs> <laughs> How about George Pickens? Gone. All of them are gone. Um, Calvin Austin? Who? Calvin Austin. How do you spell it? A-U-S-T-I-N. Okay, fine. I've never heard of this guy in my life. With, to He's give a me very the sales slot guy out of Memphis. I've seen some tape of him from when we were at the Senior Bowl. Uh, plays like Antonio Gibson, but out of the slot. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Calvin Austin it is. I also um, heard uh, what what university did he go to? Memphis. Memphis. Yeah, I actually heard the um, the Philadelphia front office has been down there uh, scouting him, and they heard that we needed to complete a Jalen Hurts stack. So <laughs> I think they'll definitely make that pick. Like you wanted a guy, an Amon Ross St. Brown type, and Calvin Austin, a slot guy, diminutive. Yeah, the, I mean, the Eagles. The Eagles need a good slot receiver, right? Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> People really called me up for not not getting the rookies. I didn't know all these guys were gone. People were really overdrafted the rookies. These guys were all available a couple weeks ago when we did our first one. Uh, I mean, they're they're screaming up the draft boards. Uh, Sky Moore goes in the seventeenth tier. John Mechie went in the fifteenth. This is what happens, right? It, it's what I was saying before. It's the unknown. It's like you're looking at the dustiest veterans. Do you really do you really want to take Jawan Jennings? over some black box rookie who could land in the right spot. I mean, we're all just clackety clack rolling the dice, having some fun on a cold February afternoon. To be clear, Juwan Jennings is 24. <laughs> like, I don't know that he should be loved in. It's not quite he, AJ green. I mean, it's pretty dusty. He's like, is he like a glorified tight end? You no, know, he's, he's a bigger bodied guy, but he's, he's slender. He's apparently six, four to 15. It's an <sighs> ideal build, ideal build for a man. Really? <laughs> I mean, neither of us are that. I don't think. How tall are you, Spags? Uh, six one. Okay, so we're. I would say you read shorter because we're the same That's height, like and I would have assumed that I was a little taller than you. 
I think it's the framing, and but I, I have heard that before, and I and it bothers me because <laughs> I don't know. Like it feels like an insult, but uh, my guy Eric Lindquist, also at Awesomeo, um, we hung out in L.A. He's like six five, and he and like like as wide as I am, and it was just weird because it's like, oh, we're both guys that people think are small on camera, and here we are looking like a at least a decently out of shape offensive line crew. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I have named this splash play Pit rookie QB. <laughs> So I'm willing it into existence here. It couldn't even get Sam Howell. It couldn't even get the full branding on this one. Yeah, both of us stand up, Smack. Uh, my, my thing is like here, though. So this is the, uh, you can see my legs. Here we go. So this is me. This is not standing up, but this is my full frame. Look, how, look, I think at, these lats, look at these lats coming in. Wow. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> awesome, a much smaller in person. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, shit. My money's, I think, like five six or something too. And I is he really? Yeah, I would have thought he's like five eleven. I would have guessed the exact same. I think if you said how tall is he, I would have said six feet. Yeah, no, he's yeah, he's five. Apparently, he's like you know leprechaunian. <laughs> this is uh, man, the, we need we need to get everyone uh, uh for a fantasy sports conference. But like the way you build a conference is there's no keynotes, um, there's no networking events. It's literally just to see how tall people are. And that's the way we do our fantasy <laughs> the fantasy combine where we just get measured no. in our underwear. All it is is we rent out an entire hotel and there's like one of those things when you go uh to get on a roller coaster to make sure you're tall enough and just everyone lines up and we just get the height and we just have a height database for everybody in the fantasy sports industry. I think it honestly that that fantasy uh, football expo thing in August, I feel like NBC Sports Edge, I know is uh, one of the backers there, but I feel like they're really trying to blow that one out. That could be an event. Like, I think they get enough people there where I would I would support it. I would support us doing a live show, uh, but where we don't actually get measured. We just mock everybody else. And from now on, when you're on shows, you have to instead of your name in the stream yard, you actually just lift your height. That's that's all it is. <laughs> And honestly, like, I thought it was funny, though, because at um, like there are a lot of like people who are tall. But I, whenever somebody's like, yeah, like I'm six, three, it's like, yeah, are you six, three? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think who is who is surprisingly tall that I've met in fantasy. Crane seems tall. Uh, no, I'm taller than Crane. Huh. OK, I know Lafayette's like six, two. I, Josh at Osmo is like, I think, six, four. I want to say. OK. All right. There you go. And I think I want uh, Kweisenberg at uh, FTN, I think is also pretty tall if I'm remembering correctly. John Paulson. Like John Paulson's like six, eight or six, nine, like legit. Freeman's tall too, right? Matt Freeman. Be. Yeah. No, Justin Freeman. Oh, Justin Freeman. I've never met Justin in person and he doesn't list every, everyone. If you're watching this new thing, you have to put your height in your Twitter bio. <laughs> Justin Freeman. I'm going to look up Justin Freeman's Duke profile. Let's see if okay, it's <laughs> Duke profile. Uh, offensive guard. Uh, <laughs> Oh, it's his whole. Oh my, Pete! You need to hold on. I'm texting this to you now. You need to pull this up <laughs> immediately before we jump off the show, dude. Height, height, chat is going crazy right now. Justin was six one in two ninety, as you'll see when Pete pulls this one up. The headshot though is where the money's really made of our pal Justin oh, Freeman. Like, the I, I've seen this before too. Hang on, Duke <laughs> is trying to get my ad blocker uh, off the screen here. Oh, how dare they? Classic Duke. Duke. All right, here he is. I have seen this before. Oh, that! <laughs> it's so that good. is an offensive lineman headshot if you've ever seen. Yeah, one. it's so good. 
so good. It's funny too because Justin uh, was telling me he doesn't watch the show like on YouTube. He just listens on podcasts afterwards. So he's gonna like get through an entire show <laughs> and he's gonna <laughs> for everyone looking at home uh, or, or listening at home. We are looking at uh, a headshot of Justin Freeman on the Duke football uh, website from this would be what circa like 2007 or eight would be my mm -hmm. guess on this photo. Uh, so yes, you need to turn off your podcast app and log into YouTube to see this in all of its oh, splendid glory. Matthew, I, I don't want to read this out loud because it got a bit of a Chris Farley vibe. Accurate, <laughs> <laughs> but like Chris Farley, if he were a dominant offensive lineman at Duke University. <laughs> there you go. Hey there, do you have questions about tickets? Christina asks, engage live. Um, <laughs> if I <laughs> if I had more time, I would say I would love to see Justin Freeman. Can I get Justin Freeman tape? From the Duke archives. <laughs> All right, Pete, what are you, you're not doing anything. Are you going to, the next show you'll be doing will be us on Monday? I'm going to an open house right now, Spags. That's what I'm doing. Okay, so go check out Pete at that open house. <laughs> uh, is it in Medina? Is it, or Malden? Malden. Malden. No, I would never. I would never do that to Derek. It would be a betrayal that not even <laughs> I would ever consider. Make sure to follow at Peter Arrozet, follow at Chris Spags, and follow at Splash Play Pod. If you got the time, leave us five stars and review an Apple podcast. It would help us out a bunch. And if you want to go follow on TikTok, I swear we're going to put something up on there at some point. At Splash Play Pod, it'll be the same handle as on Twitter and Instagram. So go give it a follow there. Any final words, Pete, before we return on Monday at 2.30? Uh, no final words other than uh, we are starting to get a little bit more USFL news. We got uh, an update on how they're going to be doing their draft. It's actually a really cool format. Did you see how they're doing it? I did actually. I think I retweeted Kyle Dvorak from NBC. We yeah, should talk yeah. about that on Monday because I think it's yeah. interesting and we'll we'll tease it. Yeah. So come back on Monday and you'll hear exclusively about the USFL and we'll see you guys then. Enjoy your weekends. Good luck.